swords with handle art to spar trolls and charge tolls to cross roads where bandits are. Catacombs and giant doors protect the chests and stores and legendary items with the dragon bones and iron It's ore. a grand theft of Elder Scrolls, Simon's quest with Toe and Earl, rocket shoes to every crew, Easter eggs and gaming news. The POTUS need some bad dudes to crash a crew like Bandicoot. All shit and gaming and glitch control issues. Control issues. Yes, yes, y'all. Yes, y'all. Yes, yes, y'all. Well, this is Control Issues. I am the AMC. And this is A Dub. You can find us at control issues.com. You can also go to your podcast provider, whoever that may be. Look for Control Issues, download it, subscribe to it, rate it, review it, tell a friend or two. Spread the word. Also, head on over to twitch.tv slash control issues pod where we put up gameplay videos for your viewing pleasure and go on over to Twitter while it's still around. Uh, my control issues is the handle. We ain't paying for that verified check mark. So, you're just going to have to trust and believe when you see the logo that it's us. Hopefully, there's no parody account out there pretending to be your boys because your boys is who we be. Just shit posting as control issues. Who knows? If they direct more traffic to the show, <laughs> go get your parody account on. Which is- uh, DLC. Uh, it's just all it's like complaining about shit. <laughs> or just like, just like loving everything everyone hates. Yeah, it's like oh, I just spent a G on microtransactions. Uh, Feels good. <laughs> Kanye's new album is hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh Lord, AMC. How you it? so well. Um, yeah, been been pretty good. Um, battled not getting sick and and feeling fine today. I thought I was I thought I was sliding into the dark zone for a secondary dub on Friday, but then by this morning, woke up totally fine. Nothing happened. It was just a, a random clogged nostril. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been good. Went to Disney on Ice with the family. That That's was awesome. awesome. Yeah, I got in pass with um, Marissa's niece and nephew, and they were over it by intermission. We went. Um, we went through our neighbors. They had like a uh, like a suite or some shit, and uh, so, so we went because we didn't have to pay for the tickets. And uh, it was awesome. It was great. Good. Uh, Did the tickets fall off a truck. <laughs> uh, they had like a yeah, I know exactly. They had, they I nah, through, no. through if, if anybody's they, listening, I don't mean that. It's just a joke. Yeah, through some way they have uh, access to a suite, and so you know you get as as many people as you could fit in there. So we were part of that group. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So we went. Um, Check that out. It was entertaining. Um, a lot of good figure skating. Uh, a lot of, I was going to say acrobatics, but they're on skates. So skate acrobatics? I don't know. Um, and then yeah. and then Disney. So Theo was enjoying it. Naomi was, you know, d- just staring. <laughs> babying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that baby is babying right now. Uh, it, it is great. Like just because uh, Theo's now at that age where he recognizes things. So it's like, holy shit, it's forky. <laughs> and they like lose his mind or 
holy shit, it's Buzz Lightyear and he'll lose his mind. Like he, he's starting to recognize the characters. So seeing that is, you know, just reliving reliving everything that you loved as a kid through your child. Uh, and so, yeah, that's been awesome. But hey, Deb, how has your week been? Not too bad. Just one week closer to this winter break, uh, working out, getting my shit together, trying to trying to build up all my ambitions and my plans for what I want to do with that, with that time off so that I can not do any of it (laughs) and feel terrible going into 2023. But no, I feel like the, the more stuff I put on the list, if I knock any, it's just more incentive to do something than it is to do all of that. So, you know, sometimes you got to trick yourself into activity every so often, but yeah, man, I'm just living my life looking forward to, Starting that ultimate collector series Razor Crest set that I got yeah. just sitting in the bedroom looking yeah. at me yeah. all the time. Got, got yeah. Marathon of Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, gonna get my little glass of booze going. Might might get a new cartridge for the vape. <laughs> what do you what do you uh what do you sip on while you're watching Mando and building? Uh, I mean, it's nothing specific. I'm probably just polish off my whiskey and yeah. dig through whatever else is in there like i got mezcal and shit that i haven't drinking yeah. <laughs> you know when i had my my brief ambition of like maybe i could learn how to make some mixed drinks i ain't learned how to make a mixed drink <laughs> hey, <laughs> mixologist hey just adding to the the list of of qualities and things that i bring to the table that one day some some lucky woman will be able to benefit from <laughs> you, you, you. Break into their house, mix a drink, and then leave it there. <laughs> With my phone number. <laughs> more, more of this where that came from. <laughs> oh shit! By breaking into their house, I mean pick their lock. <laughs> that's another, another one of my skills. Yeah, not 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 smash a window. A skill that he learned. <laughs> yes. <this> is- <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm gonna either meet these women or these women are gonna meet me. <laughs> no, 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 we don't, we don't support or condone any kind of non-consensual activity yeah, yeah. with with love interests or prospective partners. You know, make sure that you're being on the straight and narrow, being straight up, being honest about your feelings and your intentions, and have healthy, open lines of communication. That's what we at Control Issues are all about. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but stay focused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. I would, I would like to be able to make a drink where I could put it in that, in that, that, that urn-looking thing and shake it up, and then like something good comes out of it. I just feel you like just, that. You just a shaker. Yeah, I just, yeah, I feel like just that process of something makes you know, a, a beverage tastier. <laughs> yeah. Shaking it up and that's get, get all the molecules yeah. jostling. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh. Hell yeah. But hey, Dub. There we go. <laughs> we got about two weeks left in the in the year, so you're getting your your last little bits and pieces in before you turn the page into that 2023. So, what have you been gaming on? Well, you know, when I'm not talking to Jeff Keeley, getting pointers on how to make the trolleys better, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting on that couch playing that PlayStation. So, yeah, I mean, as you guys more than likely know, 
mad Overwatch 2 going down. Yes. We don't need to say nothing else about that. I'm yeah. starting to work on a new tank, trying to get my Sigma game together, just mm-hmm. trying to diversify my skill set and my versatility because I'm not I'm noticing exactly what's going on with the losses that I'm getting. Like le- yesterday I was playing and there were two games where easily we just pushed the payload all the way almost up to the end and then the other team just adjusts and shuts us down and on one of the losses i noticed like oh right when we we get to this point they bring out farah and then they brought out mercy and they just have these girls flying in the air dropping all this damage on us and all we have are all the ground troops who can't go up there and get them or have any moves that'll specifically pull them out of the air or just, you know, are better at taking down airborne, highly mobile foes. And I was thinking to myself, like, I'm playing as, you know, I play a Sojourn and I'm getting really tight with her. But in that moment, when I was looking at how the game finished, I was thinking to myself, okay, they got, they got, um, homegirl, the, the, the the android chick flying around, they got Farrah flying around, they got Mercy up there with them, keeping them alive. And I was like, if I had just turned into a Widowmaker, I could have pulled all of them out the sky. Everybody could have kept focusing on the tank and the the remaining support unit, and we could have punched it in. So now I'm working on Sigma. That's one thing. I think I'm gonna start bringing Widowmaker back when whenever the situation calls for it, and. Uh, thinking about another support because Baptiste, I'm pretty solid with Zenyatta. Of course, I got that on lock. But yeah, maybe another support character. Maybe it's time to to mess around with some Moira. Maybe it's time. You know, I think I'm gonna let the Kitsune guy me bring out some Kiriko because <laughs> I'm noticing okay. that Kiriko <laughs> ultimate is so devastating. If <laughs> like set up right, hell yeah, oh, so good. It's amazing. But yeah, doing that. Uh, Flipped on Diablo 3 for a minute, started up a Necromancer, went from 0 to 70 in like one day. But I had almost 700 levels of Paragon working with me at that point. So I was able to start the game on Torment 2, finished about Torment 10. And, you know, I just didn't feel like doing the grind for the set armor and then the grind for Ancients and all that. But I enjoyed my time with it. I still, every now and then, just, you know, at the end of my lunch break, let me get a rift in. Let me get a couple of rifts in. I know it's like 10 or 15 minutes. Let me just get a rift in. <laughs> get a couple, get a couple legendaries. Maybe I'll get something closer to what I'm doing. Maybe I can find a move that I want to pay into. And, you know, it's just fun to turn that on every so often. It's looking a lot clearer and better to me now. Like the graphics are really popping. And then that's just getting me hyped for Diablo 4. Six very long, excruciating months to go until then. Um, I also I hit a I hit a wall, AMC. Mm. Not a pay not a paywall. Yeah. <laughs> not, not an actual wall. I, I after two years of just straight gaming on PlayStation 5, digging into my PS4 backlog, getting new PS5 games. I am at the point where I'm one big game away from being maxed out on my internal and external storage. So your boy is upgrading his two terabyte hard drive 
to five terabyte hard drive. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm going to see how that works for a while. And that'll determine, like, if I can make it to the end of 2023 and I haven't used, you know, the majority of that space up, then, you know, I don't really see a need to do the internal expansion as well, but that's on the table. However, I'm pushing that off. Uh, another thing your boy's been doing that I haven't shared with the people at home, your boy got stick drift. On both yeah. of his controllers, your boy got a your boy got a soft trigger on his on his launch controller, and yeah. you know, I was looking forward to getting the Dual Sense Edge because, like you know, oh, you could take the sticks out, you know, if the if you get the drift, you could just buy another stick. But I was like, you know what? In this whole spirit of increasing my skill set, upping my percentage, becoming a better man than I was yesterday, I decided. Why not learn how to bust this thing open and actually fix it so that I don't have to spend any money? So first I did the stick drift thing. Uh, that seemed, you know, it's a very invasive process. You got to like open the controller, disconnect the battery, take ribbons out of connectors, pull the board out. Just you got to get in there. There's tiny screws. And but I got in there. I, I did my thing, fixed the stick drift on both of my controllers. So both of those are back in working order. And then it became a matter of the soft trigger. I was like, okay, so that's not something that, you know, I could get a dual sense edge and just replace the trigger. That's something that's going to end up being a $70 problem unless there's a way to fix it. So I Googled another video, come to find out, fixing the the trigger spring tension is even easier than fixing the stick drift on the controller. So your boy ordered a pack. Like they sell them in packs of 10. So I have a bunch of, I'm going to have a bunch of extra springs. And once those get here, going to pop that controller open, fix that tension. And I'll be like new back in the game. And I'll have a bunch of extras. And that's a skill I'll be able to apply to all my friends and family. If anybody needs their controller fixed, <laughs> holler at your boy, save your money or give it to me. <laughs> Reset so, yeah, that shit. <laughs> doing that. And then, you know, while I was while I'm waiting for the hard drive, I started moving some stuff around and was like, you know what? A new update just came out for Gran Turismo 7. They added five new cars to the game, one of which is the C8 2020 Corvette mid-engine. And I was like, all right, this is that's one of my cars. I love that car. So booted it up. I was already sitting on a million credits, bought the car, put the necessary upgrades on it, drives like a dream, and I'm right back in the world of Gran Turismo, going on the tracks that I haven't raced on yet, getting getting golds, not having an issue. So it's, I will never not love Gran Turismo. And it's just great to be able to play that game again, and enjoy it with new cars, with a, with a fresh head, already got the muscle memory. You know, I was having a little issue figuring out how to reverse and how to change my my camera angles but got it under control run myself a good race trying to do clean laps and get my my clean racing bonus and the beauty of it all is that at the end of the race you get to watch the replay so it's i'm watching this i'm just watching myself racing and it's in that whole gran turismo photorealistic with the the music 
and the camera cuts and those amazing camera angles. I'm watching it, just thinking myself like, damn, I should screenshot that. Oh, I should screenshot that. <laughs> oh, man, there's just nothing like watching high-performance vehicles perform at their best on an open course. It, it's ugly. But that's enough of me. AMC, what have you been playing? I'm playing three games this week. Um, yeah, the big one, that being Overwatch 2, as you mentioned, uh, we put in some work. Um, one, I bought the uh, Battle Pass last week, so I've been playing more of the game just in general, just making sure that I get all of that Battle Pass unlocked because I have been enjoying my my bonus content that I paid for. Uh, yeah, so been putting work in there, playing mostly mostly support. I did play a little bit of damage because I was doing the... Um, I've been focusing a lot on the challenge, the daily challenges, the weekly challenges, and a lot of them. Uh, one of the ones that they always have is play all roles in the uh, the queue. So I've been doing that, and every now and then I will get a damage type option um, for 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 the class. And with that, normally run as May. This week I decided to change it up, and I jumped in as Torb, and I fucking had a great time. I I played against a couple good Torbs, um, just through playing the game as recently and Torb has been causing a little bit of trouble. So I was like, all right, let's see what Torb's all about and figured out kind of like the distance on the turret and things like that. And it, it does a big difference, especially because there's always that, that character that tries to slip in behind the lines and fuck shit up from the back, uh, like a Moira or a Sombra mm-hmm. and having that turret just in the back while you're pushing something will totally just start picking off those characters. And that's mainly what I used it for. And I got a lot of kills that way. So um, yeah, Tor awesome for just like defense and controlling like a certain point. Um, but yeah, outside of that focus mainly on support. And with that did a lot of, Mora, a lot of Lucio, some Batiste, and a little bit of Mercy. And the thing there is, I've been, as you noticed when we hopped on on Friday, is I've been making the adjustments as more of a regular thing. Because in the past, I would kind of just have my character and I'd jump in and I would play with that. I just play with my best character that I thought was going to handle that match best. But um, playing it more and more, I've noticed that just giving the enemy like almost like in boxing like switching your stance like how a terence crawford will do mid-match giving your enemy a different look will completely throw off everything that they've been they, they had been using up until that point it's all about it's a mm-hmm. game of adjustments and so yeah like giving them that first look as say like a, a lucio or a mercy and then switching up to moira or the opposite starting as Mora and then switching up to lucio um they'll have their plan of how they're going to attack you and all of a sudden when they see a new character out there with a whole new set of skills that can then you know be used to um shut down what they had been doing completely throws the enemy off and a lot of times they won't make the adjustments and so that will just turn the tide of a battle so i've been doing a lot more of that been been showing them something at the beginning getting them a little something different by the end and to 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 pretty good success i would say when we played um we had an awesome run i think we won three out of four competitive matches so yeah, it was unbelievable yeah so we're 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 now getting to the point where it's it's about our team <laughs> less about us if like something goes wrong <laughs> yeah um and if something goes right it's almost always about us if you look at that that kill to death ratio so yeah, um, yeah i always take losses personally <laughs> yeah exactly I always, I always shoulder the loss on my on me it's like what could i have done to prevent this 
Yeah. And then when it comes to the bakers, like, yeah, we did that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been um really enjoying Overwatch. So uh, outside of that, been playing um a little more altered, altered chain. Astro chain is what I should be saying. Altered, altered, <laughs> yeah. altered beast. <laughs> yeah, altered beast. Yeah, Astro Chain. Astro Chain is the shit. Um pushing forward there, doing my investigations, doing my battles, getting a little more familiar with the combat, all that good stuff, leading to leading to a, a very good just combat focused game with a actually well not really combat focus because there's still there's investigations and world exploring and things on those lines but very good game and then um the other big one that being kirby the game to close out my pretty much my 2022 unless i get to midnight suns within the next week or so but this is gonna be pretty much my last new game of the year and um yeah enjoying kirby something that popped up that i'm really enjoying so you know it's a kirby game it's it's pretty it's pretty simple especially with us playing co-op, it makes it that much more simpler. But um, I guess what keeps it fun is the, the world exploration, finding all the different bonus objectives that you unlock, like certain things. And with that, um, up until this point, doing the bonus objectives pretty much unlocked, like, you know, those like trophies you'll get in the game, like, oh, you can go to this this gallery and you look at all these things that you that you unlocked. But uh in this one, what we've what they um unveiled is that as you collect more of Kirby's homies, they will then unlock challenges within the world which are time challenges and seeing those it's like okay that's kind of cool and then we tried them out and they are definitely the most difficult thing in the game which adds a whole new um which adds a little bit of difficulty there um outside of the um the main campaign which is fun then because it's just little challenges out in that world that when you when you go to the world map you can go and seek them out and then go through that and you play through it and i don't think it's at all i don't think it's necessary to beating the game but i'm sure it will unlock something down the line and yeah they're just um fun um like handcrafted challenges where you get like one was like 30 seconds another one was a minute was the target time that you want to beat it by and it's you play through it and you have to just get super efficient with how you're taking down enemies and pushing from stage to stage to stage within the challenge and so yeah um if you're looking if you're looking at kirby and you're thinking that it's just going to be this simple run through that would feel more like a kid's game i would say look at these challenges and there might be something there for you on top of just playing a fun kirby game so yeah um really enjoying that really enjoying all the games i've been playing but a dub let's get into these topics of the week it's it's like the end of the year you would think that there wouldn't be a ton of news especially coming off of the game awards but i'm I'm shocked and surprised a dub finding some pretty good news out there so what would you like to lead off the week with a dub for the topics Mm. of the week topics of the week uh well what are we what can i do here well i guess i'll talk about this exclusive interview that IGN conducted with the directors of Armored Core 6, that mm-hmm. being Hidetaka Miyazaki and the Masaru Ga- Yamamura. Gatataka. <laughs> Miyazaki-sama. <laughs> you better put some Sama on my name. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, as you guys know, Armored Core 6 was, in la- was at last revealed and announced in glorious fashion at yes. the Game Awards. Yes. And now we've got some additional details uh, in more or less, you know, the, the interview could have been conducted in a bit more straightforward of a fashion, but uh, the, the interviewer seemed to focus mainly on Armored Core and its relation to the Souls franchise, which you can kind of understand given that 
Souls has been just a smash hit since 2008, 2009, when Demon Souls came out and was made into an unexpected success thanks to people importing the game. Sony dropped the ball on the localization, but it got picked up by another publisher, and the rest was history. Then we got Dark Souls. Then we got Dark Souls 2. Then we got Bloodborne. Then we got Dark Souls 3. Then we got Sekiro. Then we got Elden Ring. Yes. So just a, a genre of games that have defined the past decade of gaming Elden Ring probably going to define gaming for the next decade to come mm. and much to the surprise of many and to the absolute glee of those such as myself we got the announcement of Armored Core 6 mm. and of course the standard question going in is like okay well you're bringing this back is this going to be like so yeah. <laughs> so that's most of what the interview focused on. However, there was some good information that was delivered. We know that From Software is going to be focusing on the core aspects, no pun intended, of the franchise that makes it the unique and special thing that it has always been, which more people should have enjoyed. Uh, they're going to be focusing on the mission-based structure. As you know, Armored Core is, is it's not open world. It's not going to be open world like Elden Ring. You're not going to be running around with flasks and going to bonfires and doing all this and that. No, you're still going to be going on missions. You're still going to have to balance your budget. They're leaning very heavy into the, the customizability of the mechs because that is what makes armor core armor core you're going to be focusing on those missions hopefully we can see a lot more of those uh we discovered that the yamamura he you know he was the director of sekiro and the sekiro team is who is going to be finishing the development of armor core 6 the concept was directed by miyazaki and handed off to that team uh, some one mechanic that they say that they're going to be not so much bringing to Armor Core because Armor Core has had these kind of mechanics all the time, but it's something that they perfected with Sekiro that they're going to be making sure is present in there is the ability to basically stagger your opponent or break their posture if you launch a continued assault against them. So if you just keep making hits after hits, like like Khaled. You can posture break the enemy, start getting your critical hits going. And, you know, this is similar to things that have been in Armored Core in the past. They used to have the overheat mechanic where, you know, there were weapons that would apply heat to a target. And if you overheat them, they would take additional damage over time. Uh, in Armored Core 5, there was already a stagger mechanic and weapons had the stagger attribute on them. I remember I had a, a hand cannon and what I would do when I co-op with a friend of mine, he would just go in with his melee mech on the ground, just fucking everybody up. And I'd be jumping between buildings, hitting them with the stagger bullets. So they would just freeze in front of him and he would just clean them up. It was the most amazing duo. That's still my fondest Armored Core memory of all time. Uh, they also mentioned that they're going to put an emphasis on big boss battles. So that's something that was a a very a very prominent feature of the souls franchise and while armor core has had boss battles in the past i can only imagine that now they'll be a bit more pronounced and more of 
a spectacle within themselves rather than just, okay, now here comes the number seven ranked armor core and they're going to try to fuck up the mission now. And you got to deal with that on top of the objective parameters. So I'm looking forward to seeing how all this comes together. Uh, we know that they're just going to be sticking with the roots. They're going to go back to the things that made the franchise great. It looks like they're still keeping the smaller mechs that they switched to in Armored Core 5. However, they seem to be drawing more inspiration from Armored Cores 1 through 4. The biggest bit of news that definitely has me incredibly excited and just gets my mind racing is that they're bringing back the arena. Uh, in Armored Core 5, I don't believe that there was an arena as the game was mainly multiplayer focused. But in the previous Armored Cores before that, there was this feature called the arena and it had all of the other mercenary armored cores on the list they're all ranked and you work your way up those ranks as you try to get to number one and in the past the arena it was its own thing it's not like your rank affected gameplay in any way or changed the story or changed how much money you made. It was just, okay, you got the main story, you do your thing. And then you also have the arena. That's another way for you to make money and get parts. So it's good to see that come back. I hope there is a very long list of combatants. Uh, personally, I'd like it if there was at least a hundred rather than 40 or 50 as it has been in the past. And I'd, I'd like to see the arena interact with the campaign a bit more like maybe there are missions that you just won't see until you get to a higher rank maybe you get bigger payouts if you're a more highly ranked ac because it's like okay i'm i'm number two like give me that number two money you can't be paying me that number 50 money <laughs> like i want to see that kind of stuff and yeah that's that's definitely going to be something i'm going to be focusing on when I start playing the game, it's just going straight to the arena, get that easy money, get those easy parts. That way, when it's time to do the campaign and all the missions, I got a tremendous head start. And they didn't offer up much more information. They gave us an idea of where they're drawing inspiration from, what they're going to be focusing on, some, some mechanics that they're going to be improving, uh, some features that they're going to be adding to the thing. And yeah, overall, it's sounding like they are remaining faithful to what Armor Core is, which is very delightful for someone like myself. Of course, the internet is still trying to figure out ways to spin it and twist in the information. Oh, this, you know, they, they said Sekiro wasn't souls, but it's souls. And it's really not. And it should really make you go back and question what it is you believe souls to be if the developer is telling you, like, hey, this ain't it. So, yeah. You know, let, let's think about it. Because I mean, Sekiro Souls game. Yeah. This is my favorite. Yeah. But I mean, just look at Sekiro and look at the differences from the Souls game. I mean, it's significant and numerous. I mean, for one, you only have one weapon. Two, you don't have all kinds of different armor and equipment and things like that. I mean, you have the gadgets, and even those are limited use. Uh, you don't have a stat-based system. You don't have a stamina bar. You don't die 
like death doesn't just send you right back to the bonfire. You have the resurrection mechanic. You can jump. You got a grapple hook. You got combat that's focused on you being aggressive and staying in the pocket. Uh, it's a system that even punishes you for trying to play it like a Souls game where you're, you're running around, you're rolling, <laughs> you're trying to chip away at the enemy. It's all about you besting your enemy and getting those death blows rather than trying to just whittle them down hit by hit or, you know, going somewhere and power leveling your characters. So you can one shot the bosses. And it, it's not like that. It's a significant departure. And it like, I don't know if it's the best analogy, but it's something that I told somebody else. It's like, I, I, as a man am remarkably similar to a woman, but I'm not a woman. It's, it's like, we have the same skeleton. We have the same physiology and everything, but we're different. So that's, Basically, what Sekiro is to souls. They have the same skeleton, they have the same structure, but they're not the same thing. Uh, AMC, how do you feel about all these things? I just laid out on the table in regards to Armor Core 6, as well as the difference between something that's souls-like, but not like souls. Yeah, I um my comment is actually just more on this like phase of where you know, the consumer meets the developer slash publisher when it comes to a game announcement. And, um, yeah, this is probably my, fa my, my favorite, the opposite, um, probably my least, <laughs> my least liked phase of this, of this period of the announcement where now the game is out there and all the note taking and speculation comes into play because people they start, promised. yeah, they start, they start looking at, the philosophy of that's going into the game and then drawing conclusions based on the philosophy mm -hmm. <laughs> of how the developer is approaching the development of the game. Um, and yeah, and they're coming up and coming up to conclusions and they're coming up with some analysis as to how this game will be and how it will feel. That's why I like, even like with reviews, I have like some issue with reviews, especially like review scores. Like I don't mind if you say like, hey, a game's a nine out of 10, 10 out of 10. You're basically just telling me a game is good. But then we start getting into that territory of like seven out of 10, eight out of 10. And people are like, oh, so does this mean that the game is bad? And here's the thing is like somebody, somebody can try to explain to you how a game feels, but you'll never really know how it feels until you get it into your hands. Mm -hmm. And so um, trying to draw conclusions on, even if they said that, there's going to be souls elements within armor core you don't know how that's going to be implemented you know you don't know how it's going to feel you don't know how it's going to look um when it comes to especially a game that's i'm assuming going to be so different um from an approach as far as like the the what the mechanism that you're using to take into battle um and so yeah because of that it's just going to have so many different like inputs and considerations as to how you just maneuver that thing so yeah it's um it's 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 fun to see like what conclusions people will draw but ultimately all i really care is that it's an armor core game um it's gonna i imagine it's gonna feel differently tonally uh from you know what they've been doing because it's focused on these mechs and not on this i don't know undead <laughs> like nightmare yeah. situation um like it's an apocalypse in its own way but it's uh, a different approach to the apocalypse maybe uh and so yeah uh i'm I'm pretty excited to see what, what what's going to happen with this game. I've never played an Armor Core game, but knowing that you're excited about it, um, you play good games, and so yeah, it's on my radar, especially because it's not like you know 
I'm expecting it to be different from what they've done, even if it even if it just looks different. I, I'm expecting it to be different from what they've done, uh, and because of that, I'm I'm excited to see what that turns out to be um, in within this game. But yeah, because of all the the speculation and everything that's going on, it's it's fun to sit on the sideline and just see people kind of like you know bend and twist themselves into so many different like configurations to come up with a solid conclusion on what this game is going to look like at launch <laughs> all deep yeah <laughs> dead on arrival uh. yeah so i mean this game it's you know people people are all over the board with it <laughs> one one minute they're trying to say one minute they're trying to say like oh it's it's a niche title it's only gonna it's not gonna do as well as souls excuse me had a big lunch but it's not gonna do as well as souls but it's like it doesn't need to do as well as souls it's armored core as long as it does better than every armored core before it it's a success as long as it makes money for from software it's a success as long as it reaches a larger audience than it ever has it's a success and what it has going for it that it never had in the past is tens of millions of sets of eyes on it. In the in the past, like most people didn't even know what Armor Core was. Those that did, like a small portion loved it. Others like, oh Max, bleh. but now it's it's in a position where it can't be ignored now because it's coming from a developer that everyone has hitched their wagons to and is labeled their greatest developer of all time. They have the accolades and the success necessary for this franchise to finally get the attention that it's deserved for over 20 years now. It's it's good. It's time. Uh, we know that it's going to be yet another reboot. Armor Core has been rebooted multiple times and this is going to be another one so it's going to be very interesting to see how it comes together and no matter what that final product is a dub is going to be in his happy place it's going to take me back to the days of blockbuster video back in the late 90s early 2000s oh man i i still i i remember the sunlight of that day coming through the windows as I'm walking through the aisles and I just see this box with this basic ass <laughs> looking artwork on it, Armored Core. I wonder what this is about. Flip over the box, like, okay, you playing as robots. Let me check this out. Favorite game ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Played every main entry on every console and just, it, it like that, the original Armor Core back in 1997 solidified from software in my heart and mind as one of the greatest developers of all time. It took Demon Souls and Dark Souls and Elden Ring for the rest of the world to see it. And now you're going to see why I've held them in such high esteem for long before everyone else did. <laughs> I was from software was cool before everybody else thought they were cool. <laughs> I'm over here, Matthew McConaughey. But anyway, AMC, you got our next topic of the week. Top topic of, of the, the week. week. Yes, this one, A dub, is by way of The Hollywood Reporter. So you can assume Ooh. this has to do with a film or TV adaptation, or maybe both, A dub. We shall see. So, um, your boy, 
Henry Cavill has had an up and down week, I would say, <laughs> to mm-hmm. say the least. Uh past couple of weeks. Um, so before this story comes into place, a little setup. Um, we knew that um Henry Cavill had said that he was gonna step away from the Witcher, push that role aside so that he could focus on Superman. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and uh things had changed, but maybe he's falling up a dub because we have an update to that story. So here are part of the ups and downs. So he left The Witcher, and this is where the Hollywood reporter picks up the actor who Wednesday officially hung up his Man of Steel cape after Warner Brothers announced it is going in a new Superman direction thanks to DC heads James Gunn and Peter Safran Safran. Um is attached to Star and executive produce a series adaptation of Warhammer 40k, the popular science fiction fantasy miniature war game that is set up at Amazon. Yes. Am- Amazon has huge. Yeah, Amazon has secured the rights to the game produced by Game Workshops. Uh, Games Workshops after months of negotiations and fitting off rival companies that also sought the rights. This is envisioned as a potential film and TV play. So your boy, Henry Cavill, as we said, stepped away from The Witcher, said, I'm going to focus on Superman. James Gunn was like, none of that. We got, I got an idea for what I'm going to do with Superman. And that does not involve you. So you can step off. So Henry Cavill stepped off and stepped right into the role of being an executive producer. And I'm assuming leading man. He better be. 40K. So what do you think, A-Dub, about your boy, Henry Cavill, stepping into the world of 40K? Well, I mean, it's very sad to see him go as Superman. I think it, I think I would find little opposition in giving him the label as the greatest representation of Superman on screen that there has ever been. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like the movies that they did to bring Superman to life could have been done better. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we'll see better Superman movies going forward from DC. Unfortunately, it won't have what I believe is the best Superman actor in them. I think Black Adam, which I just recently saw, like that's the kind of action that you wanted to give Superman. That would have been a proper movie, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. Um, it's sad to see him go as the Witcher. I tried to start the series, but didn't really continue it i think i got about an episode in and while it was cool it was just like you know what i need to understand more about the world of the witcher before i really get into this so i kind of backed off of it and you know we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on with the witcher in the show but you know what i think that warhammer is a good fit for him as we know henry cavill a major gamer i mean this man videoed himself building a pc on youtube he's schooling people left and right about the franchises it's it's awesome to see someone who is such a dedicated gamer who's also just a a specimen of a human being a, a great actor and you know just looks the part so i mean if you're gonna get somebody to play any kind of warhammer figure and I hope that he's a space marine because that makeup and mm. aesthetics and everything would be outstanding on on his frame. Yeah. So I, I think this is a great fit. You know, when when life closes one door, another one opens, I suppose. <laughs> so he he just I also like how he's moving 
from like comic books and video games and doing all that kind of stuff because he's a very versatile talent. He did a he did a Mission Impossible, right? I think he did Mission Impossible Fallout or was it five or four? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't watch one in a minute. Yeah. yeah, the only the only one I was really about was the one with Vanessa Kirby, but another time but yeah man I'm hyped I can't wait to see it especially in this day and age when we we have the legacy of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that's going to be influencing how video game and comic book adaptations are done going forward we're in this age where video game and comic book adaptations are finally getting their proper representation in other forms of media i mean the super mario movie looks like it's going to be one of the greatest video game movies ever and yeah man, the star-studded cast so it's awesome to see henry cavill just moving from property to property putting his putting not so much his talent but just his love and appreciation of these things into the work because it's one thing to have talent but it's another thing to actually you know have a passion and an interest in the ip that you're bringing to light so it's going to be good to see what they do together and i'm excited for that yeah um totally agree uh the i feel like we're you know Warhammer has been very much of its community and you know they've produced so many games that I'm sure people have jumped in and maybe not even be aware of like you know everything that is that like that makes Warhammer what it is between the books and the 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 minifigs and all that um the laundry list of video games yeah and so I I feel like uh man if they if they get this right with this Amazon um with this Amazon show, it'll be just another thing that will get people to get their eyes within that world. And, you know, reading the books, really enjoying the books. And I've been just looking at all the different games and been waiting for the right game um, to, to hop in and, you know, experience the world from that perspective. And to know that we could possibly get a good show. Yeah, Amazon, they, they did that Lord of the Rings show. And I heard mm-hmm. some pretty good things about that. So that's a that's a good sign of um from them as a studio, what they've been able to put together um when it comes to you know adapting uh, other properties to you know the, the world of film and TV. And so yeah, I'm I, I feel like it's in good hands and especially as you said, going and getting Henry Cavill. Um you know, looking at like the game awards and we see that one game announcer where it has like Chuck Norris and Danny Trejo and <laughs> Rock Hayes. Yeah. Like, like everybody. And, you know, you can't help but feel like, like these, these people have maybe a few of them, but I'm sure a lot of them have no idea what's going on in the world of video games. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one thing when they step into our world, but when we see people from the outside step into our world and try to draw that content into another medium, you get a little worried. Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing that, you know, they're already off um, in the right place as far as like getting an actor who I, I did, I did watch the first season of the Witcher and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I agree with everything you said about him as Superman. So it seems like he, he brings an authenticity and um, a genuine like excitement um, to like the, to the original content to when it comes to portraying that um through tv and film and so yeah i feel like it's in great hands and i am super looking forward to whatever they have when it comes to the world of 40k 
How long do you think it'll be before Henry Cavill gets a lead role in a video game? I know, like, what what is up with that? Uh, I I don't know. I, that's definitely an, an untapped resource that I'm I'm wondering if that's just like something for him. He just hasn't really gotten into that space of voice acting at that at that like at that level yet. But um, I mean, voice yeah. acting and mocapping because yeah. you look at I mean just look at the games that we've had recently. We God of War with your man Chris Judge. You got mm-hmm. Horizon Forbidden West with Angela Bassett. You got Callisto Protocol with Josh Duhamel and Karen Fukuhara. It's it's continuing to grow. I mean, we had we had Kevin Spacey. Now we're getting Danny Glover and Michael Rooker. We had Keanu Reeves. <laughs> so like I said, like it's 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 always a bit worrisome when you see the outsiders try to adapt the game to their mediums, but it's always kind of endearing and, you know, optimistic when the outsiders come into the medium to contribute their talent to make the games better. So it, it also, we talked about it when we did the the show on the game awards, where to me, it feels like it lends an increasing level of legitimacy to gaming as a medium when other mediums are coming in and not only not just licensing things, but actually contributing talent and resources to get this stuff made and to take it to a higher level of quality. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. All right. Well, let's get into the next topic of the week. Topic of the week. What you got it? Well, as you guys should know by now, and if you don't know, then there's just no helping you. But 2023 is already set up to be an absolute colossus of a year in gaming, possibly the greatest year in gaming history. But that year just continues to get even better because we got an idea of how it's going to end. We got a release date or a release window, I should say, for Marvel's Spider-Man. According to Sony, what a year it's been for PlayStation Studios. Here at Insomniac Games, we've been in absolute awe of the work of our peers. Congrats to everyone on a successful 2022. And here's to next year being just as exciting as we continue to get Marvel Spider-Man 2 ready for release next fall. So Sony's showing up, trying to trying to close out the year strong. We got probably one of the biggest first party exclusives of the year being situated toward the end of 2023. AMC, how is your wallet doing? <laughs> and, uh, um, I mean, next year is going to be out of control. I can't wait. Um, so much going on and so many games that have been announced and games that we haven't even seen. Like that's that's the one thing is like, like we'll have our we're gonna do our trolleys more likely next week and then after that we typically do then our most anticipated games of you know the, the following year and that's what's been announced and you always forget that like there's always there's a strong like possibility that a game that hasn't officially been announced for that year will step right in and become surprise game of the year <laughs> and so um yeah it's uh it's nice to like we got another one now that's official um that we at least we assume and it's official that that will be coming by fall 2023 and um i can't wait to see some more gameplay now i'm sure people are going to be talking about it i believe um 
I don't know if they necessarily were forced to rush the gun, but I know that there was like some type of leak <laughs> through through uh, an employee. And with that, then uh, Sony like basically said, yeah, we're, we're confirming this is coming out by fall of next year. Um, and so, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to whenever they're ready to show us gameplay to show us because, you know, if they show it next month, people will be like, why are you already showing it? Stop showing me the game. And if they wait too long, people are going to start questioning if it's vaporware. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, been a little quiet. I sense a delay coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, Fall is going to be absolutely just jam-packed. I mean, we already looked at the opening of the year, and that's already jam-packed. Then the middle of the year is going to be dominated by Diablo. Nothing's going to matter. Um, and then we get into fall, and that's when we start to see the heavy hitters. We're assuming we'll see Starfield, definitely Spider-Man, and whatever else that I can't think about will also be coming out around that time. And so, yeah, we're gonna have some heavy hitters. Um, and so I'm heavy, heavy, heavy. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty pumped. It's a good good time of the year because we know Spider-Man is just gonna bring in all the money and just dominate all the headlines when it comes out. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to a. Uh, just a Spider-Man horrific fall. Absolutely. But AMC, you got our next topic of the week. Top topic of the, of the week. week. Let's see. Um, You know what? Let's do this. This story actually came out, I believe, last week, but the Game Awards came out last week, and so there were there's pretty much no news to cover. And so I'm going to go backtrack, A-Dub, and I'm going to quickly cover the November 2022 npd day day so let's see right here number one for the top 20 best-selling games of the month in the u.s surprise surprise no surprise that being call of duty modern warfare 2 um this game had come out the previous month and is just still holding on to that number one spot because it is call of duty it is modern warfare 2 and everybody loves to play these games number two on that list we got a new game a dub no surprise there because this one was an automatic hit when it came out had all the headlines got all the got all the great reviews that being god of war ragnarok mm -hmm. number three another new game man no new games came out this year a dub but yeah mm -hmm. we got a bunch of new games that came out number three another new game we got pokemon scarlet and violet for people who mm -hmm. love to just get them pokemons <laughs> it's not as good as it was supposed to be <laughs> yeah. number four we got another game that wasn't as good as it was supposed to be and it's another new game that being sonic frontiers um let's see number five we got madden nfl 23 6 fifa 23 7 nba 2k 23 8 people are still <laughs> buying it a dub even though it's 30 frames per second that being gotham knights 9 uh -oh. Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales and they're getting that spider edge. Oh, that spider edge. <laughs> Number 10, Mario Party Superstars. 11, people still buying it. Elden Ring. 12, Animal Crossing New Horizons. People still buying that. Mario Kart 8, people still buying that. Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope. 15, Persona 5. 16, NHL 23. 17, another new game tactics ogre reborn 18 minecraft 19 i thought nobody was playing this a dub i thought it was a forgotten game of 2022 that being horizon 2 forbidden west and 20 to round out the list a game that will always be selling in the top 20s that being the legend of zelda breath of the wild let's see um 
for the top 20 best selling games of you know we'll do the top 10 best selling games of the year so far. I know. Jesus. Yeah. Um, top 10 best selling games of the year so far. Number one moved up from number two, that being Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. So, what, in two months, it surpassed Elden Ring. Number two, Elden Ring. Number three, Madden NFL 23. Four, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. Five, new game debuted at number five best selling game of the year, that being God of War Ragnarok. Six, Pokemon Legends Arceus 7, Pokemon Scarlet Violet 8, Horizon 2 Forbidden West 9, FIFA 23, and 10, MLB The Show 22-2-2. And we got the top five for each individual console. We got Nintendo, Pokemon Scarlet Violet number one, Sonic Frontiers, Mario Party Superstars, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and Mario Kart 8. Top five on the PlayStation, number one, God of War, Ragnarok, Call of Duty and Modern Warfare 2, Madden NFL 23, FIFA 23, and five, Sonic Frontiers. And then on the Xbox console platform there, top five, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Madden NFL 23, FIFA 23, Sonic Frontiers, and number five, Gotham Knights. And PlayStation 5 was the best-selling console in the U.S. in both unit and dollar sales for the month. A dub, what you got for the next topic of the week? Uh, top, hmm, excuse me. Oh man, <laughs> sorry, man, I got a little irritated there. Topic of the week, <laughs> top, topic of the week. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. For the people at home, we're doing this live, pre-recorded. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's live, but it's recorded. Like we yeah. recorded live, so you get you get all the little hiccups. <laughs> And missteps along the way, but that's how you know it's authentic. That's how you know we're real. Uh, got a quick hit for you. Uh, if you're if you enjoy Death Stranding, if you're excited for Death Stranding two, then you'll be pleased to know that there is a Death Stranding movie in the works from Kojima Productions and Barbarian's Hammerstone Studios. Mm-hmm. So, according to Adam Bankhurst over at IGN, the film will reportedly introduce new elements and characters within the Death Stranding universe. Uh, Let me see. This is reported from Deadline. The film is being fully financed by Hammerstone Studios and Kojima and Lebovici will serve as producers on the project. Kojima Productions U.S. and Alan Unger will take on the role of executive producers. No further official details were given for the film, but Deadline has said it will introduce the new elements and characters. There's also no word on who's going to direct or write the movie, but Deadline understands it's now on the fast track with development underway. So we've always known that your man Kojima has just been a creative visionary. He's given us absolute masterpieces of gaming from the metal gear franchise to to zone of the enders to death stranding to his new project that he's going to be working on with microsoft might be overdose might not be who knows but uh (laughs) one of the reasons that kojima started kojima productions was that he wanted to make his own games and he also wanted to branch out into other forms of media he wanted to do films maybe even like music videos and things of that nature when we saw the death stranding 2 reveal trailer at the game awards we were treated to a highly cinematic 
experience that reintroduced your man Norman Reedus. We got a, a aged up BB, and we also got some crazy villains and kind of horror type elements going on. There were, of course, it has that trademark Hojima touch and style to it where he's got just the the tastefully chosen music selection that perfectly accentuates what's going on on screen the beautifully directed action is kind of a music video-esque kind of appeal to it when he's revealing the villains and the enemies and you know it's also just uniquely japanese in its tone and aesthetic um amc as a fan of kojima as someone who has played kojima games how do you feel about your man Hideo breaking into the film industry with Death Stranding. I mean, it's the game that ended up being a uh, somewhat surprise hit for a lot of people who quickly wrote it off. Um, it's coming from a man who clearly has a lot of um, uh, attention and appreciation for the world of cinema and, you know, adapts a lot of that takes it into his games and uses that to kind of guide him through the process of, you know, directing um, a lot of his titles. And because of that, you get this very, you know, pre-movie game. I felt like Kojima was the movie game guy is the best way to put it. Um, and with that, you know, there are some complaints about like, you know, Metal Gear 4 and all of its cutscenes and things like that. Personally enjoyed that game. Um, and yeah, it's, I feel like it's been working. It's, way up until this point death stranding ended up doing very well enough to the point that we now know that we got a death stranding 2 on the way and for a game that was um you know written off as a messenger simulator uh i think it's the perfect game that will translate into a movie because unless the entire movie i mean and it could be it could be a dope movie like kind of like the road situation or whatever where it's just about this dude traveling with this uh this thing in a jar uh with this, this embryo in a jar and um baby in a jar and these whatever the bbs is that what's going mm -hmm. on is after him mm -hmm. um <laughs> and so yeah um i feel like uh it's something that it could be it could translate well into a movie where as opposed to if somebody's just hoping to just jump into a video game and and combo up some fools they might not appreciate the pace of this but in a movie i feel like th that type of character storytelling is perfect um and so yeah you can get something interesting there we already know the influence of uh um that the game will have on it as far as the story but um yeah it'll be interesting to see how they they do that because it's it's very much like a a mando like you know wolf and cub situation except it's it's norman fetus in this in this baby and so yeah i'm, I'm curious to see what that looks like and how the world <laughs> reacts to it um because it's it's very out there and so we will now see a world that isn't already conditioned to um you know to to just take whatever kojima will will give them and you know just just ride with it we'll see how that translates into a into a movie and for people who don't know what to expect from the mind of this man uh what do you think about this ada i mean i think it's excellent it's just you know, you also have to take into account that Kojima is like 50 plus and this dude is still on an upward trajectory with his career. He's continuing to make better and better games. He's continuing to get greater and greater recognition as the visionary that he is. 
and he's still broadening his skill set, expanding into different mediums and just taking his creative vision to new heights every single time. So I'm very excited for this. I know, I mean, if you just go by cutscenes from all his games, like you could string the cutscenes of Metal Gear 4 together, and that's a fucking movie. You could string the cutscenes of Death Stranding together. That's a movie. And that he'll be able to take something and no longer have have to take into consideration that okay people might go to this corner so i have to make sure that this corner looks good and that there's something there and that there's something interesting to do like he's going to be able to have a completely uniform guided experience and take us through exactly what it is he wants us to see how he wants us to see it when he wants us to see it it's i think by removing all the consideration that you have to put into making a game it's going to make for a tighter and just more potent offering and just a better look into his mind and his creative process so i think this is an opportunity for those who who doubt Kojima and who don't believe in Kojima to finally see like, okay, well maybe this is his medium and who knows, maybe, maybe this was the transition that Kojima needed to make this entire time to really take his creativity to the next level or to really, to truly spread his wings in a way, because I'm a firm believer that video games are the highest form of media there is because it's not just a story that you passively consume. It's one that you take part in. And it's also one that you can take part in at your own pace. And in some cases in your own order, whichever you prefer. So you can go over there. You can look at this. You can do that. You can touch that. You can collect that. You can build this. You can change your look. But now with a movie, we're going to be able to see that writing and that story be the entire focus and on top of that you don't have to have you don't have to have people animated you can have live actors and people actually doing the roles you can supplement them with the computer generated visuals and all the wardrobe and and everything that goes into that so yeah i'm excited to see this and at the same token it should this be the success that I'm almost assured that it that it will be, this might embolden other developers who are extremely talented at making these top-notch, gorgeous cutscenes to branch out and let their teams make their own films instead of licensing or outsourcing those properties to movie studios. Where don't get me wrong, because I don't want to take anything from the movie industry, but the movie industry isn't run by people who understand these properties or understand the gaming industry as well as the people in the gaming industry or people who are enthusiastic about it, like ourselves here at Control Issues. And yeah, man, I think more control of the adaptations in the hands of the creators is going to benefit everybody because we'll get better quality films and we'll also get a better industry. We'll get more, 
what is that word? It, it, more legitimacy, and it'll it'll just make everything better, and it'll bring more people into the tent. And hopefully, we can see Activision Blizzard empower their staff to make a film. You know, the Warcraft movie was cool, but I'd rather see the team that's behind the cutscenes in Diablo make a film and give me something like that. You know, we got the Super Mario film coming and hopefully that'll be another success that helps embolden, embolden the industry to take the reins of their own destiny and make their own content. So yeah, this, this could be a turning point for where video games can go, what they can be capable of. And in a way it indirectly, it indirectly validates the moves being made by Jim Ryan and Sony where they want to focus on properties that they can not only sell as big games and big cinematic experiences, but also have them ready to be adapted into television series and into films because people poo-pooed that and wanted to call it, oh, this is the end of Sony either. They're just focusing on the big stuff. They're trying to get into movies. But it's like these companies are looking ahead and they're looking in other directions other than just this medium. And they're trying to grow it. They're trying to make it mature. They're trying to bring it to a higher level. So this just shows that there's something to those moves. And all this stuff is going to be coming together down the line. And it goes from where it's, you know, it's a questionable decision in 2020, 2021, 2024, 2025 rolls around. And then we have all these great movies. We have all these games that are, you know, they're announcing. What did they announce? I think the God of War series just got picked up by Amazon or something. And then you got Henry Cavill moving on to Warhammer 40K. So all the pieces are on the board and they're moving closer to the other side. So it's, it's just awesome to see all this stuff happening and coming together over time. So yeah, I'm very excited for what Kojima is going to be doing. And if Death Stranding is the success that I expect it to be, then that means that we'll probably see more films from Kojima. Maybe we'll get some horror films and, you know, maybe as much as I love horror games and horror films, it seems like horror films, have kind of crested where, you know, insidious and all that or hereditary and paranormal activity and all those great movies, but it, it's got to go to the next level. And maybe it's going to take new eyes and new talent coming from the gaming industry where, you know, they're always coming up with new scary things. They're always pushing the gore, the death scenes, the, the different ways to scare people. So they can bring all that talent, start making horror films and take the whole horror genre to a whole other level. I mean, imagine as much as people love PT, which was just a demo, <laughs> it wasn't even a full game. And it's like the greatest horror game ever from your boy Kojima. What if it was a film? And what if it ends up being the best horror film there ever was? So, you know, we're just, we're on the doorstep of yet another another move forward for the industry and for the talent within it. So, I mean, this is this benefits everybody. So, I'm looking forward to whatever comes.
Let's get to the next topic of the week. Topic of the week. Let's see. We got an update for a couple things here. Um, a little backstory uh, to set up this. We got a little bit of Crystal Dynamics. We got a little bit of Tomb Raider here. Uh, where we left off last uh, in our in our oh previous, more news from that. <laughs> yeah, in our previous story, um, previously on X Men. Let's see. Um, Square Enix, they said, we are good with these studios, with these IPs, and they sold off Crystal Dynamics as well as some other studios and IPs to the Embracer Group. And that was the last that we heard of a couple of those um, those games, those IPs, those characters. And now we have an update in a new partnership, A-Dub, and that having to do with Tomb Raider. And that is Amazon Games and Crystal Dynamics today announced they have reached an agreement under which Crystal Dynamics will develop a new multi-platform Tomb Raider title with Amazon Games providing full support and publishing the game globally. Uh, the as of the as yet untitled new Tomb Raider game is a single player narrative driven mm-hmm. adventure <laughs> that continues Lara Croft's story in the Tomb Raider series. It includes all the elements that have made Tomb Raider one of the most revered franchises in gaming, giving players control of the confident and multidimensional hero Lara Croft in an environment that rewards exploration and creative pathfinding with mind bending puzzles to solve and a wide variety of enemies to face and overcome. Crystal Dynamics is drawing on the power of cutting-edge technology of Unreal Engine 5 to take take storytelling to the next level in the biggest, most expansive Tomb Raider game to date. The title is currently in early development, and additional details will be announced at a later date. So, A-Dub, what do you think about Amazon Games stepping a little bit more into the gaming space from a publishing perspective, working with Crystal Dynamics to give us a new Tomb Raider game? Uh, so far, Amazon's foray into the gaming world, at least in in this capacity, where they're getting involved with the industry as it is to publish big titles instead of you know making their own stuff. We saw how that went, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so far they're they're making the right moves. I mean they they had a partnership with some other developer. I forget at the Game Awards there was something that had the Amazon Games logo on it, and it looked like a pretty good product so that's something i'm going to be keeping my eye on and with them getting involved with tomb raider you know that's that might be what tomb raider needed because you know square they did put the time and the money to make tomb raider what it is today the the reboot that came out was excellent the sequel rise of the tomb raider that was also excellent i have both of those i have shadow of the tomb raider from playstation plus um heard kind of opposing things about it uh i know that there was there was less combat and more puzzles which you know kind of fits the the tomb raider aesthetic of exploration and archaeology and all that shit but yeah man i'm glad to see Lara croft is continuing to get more games and getting more chances to continue to grow her legacy. Uh, I'm very excited that it's going to be on Unreal 5 because these Unreal Engine 5 games are going to knock people on their asses. They're not ready. Uh, so All the games yeah. will be the same. Uh... And even if they are, they'll be in, <laughs> they'll be, even if games are the same, just running through Unreal Engine 5, the visual polish, the level of detail, the level of realism, and, and not even so much realism, but just 
how high quality everything's going to look because they're going to be using movie assets to bring these virtual worlds to life and just you'd be surprised how far a fresh coat of paint can go like you could take an old game and just make it look better and it feels like a new game because a good game is always going to be a good game and yeah so this is looking good i hope amazon continues to be selective with the products that they get behind uh this is yet another good step for them and hey if say what you want to say about amazon i know that they they have quite a number of issues with how they run their, their warehouses shipping, <laughs> their warehouses and their shipping business yeah. but insofar as how they're using their resources to create content and help bring content out into the light develop it they're making good moves so we get, it, we get, we get tomb raider on amazon prime for free that would be crazy yeah <laughs> get a little discount code if you log in with your prime account <laughs> get it yeah, delivered so early break, break ship dates yeah uh, if, you, if you subscribe to prime play it a week early <laughs> <laughs> why are they punishing me for not subscribing i feel like they're punishing me uh, <laughs> you hear the complaints now but afc how did you feel about this yeah um i'm in, i'm i'm curious to see how this goes i i didn't hop in on the um that last trilogy of tomb raider and so now it's time to start anew and as you said unreal engine 5 we got a lot of games that are right now being developed on it and so i'm sure there's a lot of just um information passing back and forth um that like are just like working out like how people can fully uh utilize and take advantage of this engine on on this current bit of hardware um and so yeah that's that's gonna be fun um the announcement of it being multi-platform was good that was a thing with um the last reboots at least the first two were timed exclusives on the xbox um and so knowing that they're already saying that it's going to be multi-platform that means it'll be in more people's hands at launch which is I, I feel like a good thing for the tomb raider franchise to get you know to get it kind of back into a bigger group as opposed to um being locked away to a certain platform and so yeah um a lot of good things I'm here and there and then you know amazon has all the money <laughs> to to sign away and so as long as i feel like as long as they feel like they can just provide that capital and trust that crystal dynamics will handle the rest uh i think that would be a, a great partnership uh to get to get a new tomb raider out on this uh current gen and so yeah um i'm, I'm super pumped about all of this and um excited to see what they do to you know take tomb raider to the next level because yeah they all scored really well and for some reason it was a franchise also that was i don't know maybe because of uh horizon and uncharted you kind of overlook uh tomb raider um when you look back at like the previous generation but um uh still so many people enjoyed it and so yeah i hope that it will kind of be able to step out and do something a little original with that series as opposed to feeling like whatever um the next iteration of uncharted will be um in the form of tomb raider so yeah, yeah. Uh, looking forward to that yeah insofar as those exploration oriented like action narrative type of games the horizons the uncharted i feel like tomb raider 
gave me what I was looking for in those spaces because it had the action of Uncharted, but it also had like the the RPG style elements where you get your weapons, but you're upgrading them and you're getting different kinds of equipment, had that Metroidvania kind of aesthetic to it, had the puzzle solving. And, you know, you, you really felt like you were exploring and discovering things, finding secrets, like Uncharted, was awesome but it was it was linear like you just Mm -hmm. go forward you're going through this pre-planned thing and that's all there is uh once you get to rise of the tomb raider like you're it's more of an open world or like a hub world whatever it's it's not just i'm walking forward and overcoming these challenges to continue moving forward to a definitive end it's like okay there's this region over here and there is some story over there but there's also all this other side stuff there's tombs there's little secrets oh i need to come back here with my upgraded shotgun so i can blow down this bramble and go get these these extra upgrade items and things inside there like there was incentive to explore and basically be a goddamn tomb raider so you know more Lara croft is never a bad thing looking very forward to it all right what you got in the next topic of the week topic of the week well i got i got a little news uh we got the release date for diablo 4 Mm. and i'm going to be in absolute agony waiting for it (laughs) but we we got a little more information because all the additions of diablo 4 have been revealed so As you guys know, this is going to be a cross-gen title, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series, Xbox One, PC, June 6, 2023. Of course, you got your standard edition. You know, you're going to go ahead, just get the disc, just get the game, enjoy yourself. You go right on ahead. You got that Diablo 4 Digital Deluxe Edition. Now, what this includes is the Hellborn Carapace Mount Armor. You got the Temptation Mount. And you got the seasonal battle pass. That's gonna run you $89.99. You got the ultimate edition. This is gonna come with the accelerated seasonal battle pass. So this is gonna this is gonna give you the battle pass as well as 20 tier skips and a cosmetic. You get that temptation mount, that hellborn carapace mount armor we talked about earlier, and the wings of the creator remote. Oh, there's emotes, okay. It's going to be interesting. But then you get the Diablo 4 Limited Collector's Box. Game not included. Yeah. <laughs> now, before I detail the contents of this, I got to say, I, I'm completely over this trend of offering editions of a game that do not include the fucking game. <laughs> what is that about? What the hell is that about? Just yeah, sell, sell that like... shit on your store. <laughs> like, yeah. If you're gonna sell an edition of a game, it better have a fucking game. There was a there was a Call of Duty that had an edition like this where I think it had a, a radio control car. No game. Uh, yeah, God, but, God of War had they yeah. they had the steel book but with no game in it. <laughs> so it was like, we'll like, give you the case. Yeah, put the game in <laughs> when you buy the game. <laughs> <laughs> that's some bullshit like this isn't this is an open letter to development studios and publishers all around the globe stop doing this seriously stop doing this <laughs> like this this is trolling this is not a joke we're giggling because it is 
utter insanity. Stop doing this. This is dumb. This is dumb. People want the this. game. You're, be- you're better than this. <laughs> you're better than this. <laughs> this is not an addition of the game. This is just shit. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like it's cool stuff. I mean, the the limited collector's box. It has the candle of creation, and it's a it's an electric candle, I believe, and it's double sided. So you got the heaven side, you got the hell side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got you got the occult mouse pad. And so you got a little mouse pad. You're going to get you, you clicky, clicky, your KBNM on. You're going to be Diablo for a mouse pad. That's great. A cloth map of Sanctuary. Again, this is awesome. That's a high quality premium item. That's dope. You're going to have the pin of the Haradrum. So that's nice. You, you, you wear your heart on your sleeve. You wear your love of Diablo on your lapel. There you go. Diablo for a collector's edition art book. This. This is something that's directed specifically toward me. I believe it's a 300-page art book. Uh, I don't know what size it is. If it's not a full-size art book, I think I'll pass or look for it on eBay or something. But if it is a full-size art book, and when I mean full-size, I mean the size of the pages. I don't want one of them little, like, notebook shits, no matter how many pages it is. It's small. I have no, I, I have no need for that. I want something that is worthy of the property that it is depicting. It needs to be big, it needs to be high quality, it needs to be glorious. If you must, sell it separately. <laughs> Give us the option there. I'm sure it'll be sold separately or they'll have a full size at some point and I'll pick that up. Lastly, it's gonna have matted fine art prints. There's gonna be two of them. They're 18 and a half by 10.8 inches each. So that's pretty cool. Throw it on your wall. Get you in the mood when you're not playing Diablo. You can be looking at Diablo while you're thinking about Diablo. So, but this whole no game stuff, it, it, it's absolutely infuriating. Stop doing it. Everyone, stop. <laughs> Give us the game and the stuff. That's what people want. Give people what they want. Uh, lastly, going to detail the Diablo 4 pre order bonuses. So, if you pre order the physical version, you'll receive the following items. You're going to get the Inarius Wings and Inarius Murloc Pet in Diablo 3. Oh, is, are you going to get a pet in Diablo 3 or are you going to get the pet from Diablo 3? They need to be a bit more specific there. Uh, Amalgam of Rage Mount in World of Warcraft. Okay, so I guess it is a pet for Diablo 3. You're going to get a mount for World of Warcraft and you're going to get the Umber Wing Darkness Cosmetic Set in Diablo Immortal. Uh, don't you guys have phones? <laughs> yeah. So if you pre-order the digital version of Diablo 4, you're going to get early access to the open beta. You're going to get the Light Bearer mount in Diablo 4. You're going to get the Inarius wings for Diablo 3, the Amount of Rage for World of Warcraft, and the Umber Wing Darkness cosmetic set for Diablo Immortal. Now, this is all pretty cool. AMC, uh, do any of these items make you want to get anything other than the standard edition of the game? Um, I mean, they sound pretty cool. I have to, like, see them. I haven't actually looked at them, and... Um, I don't know. I mean, just overall, just I'm, I have no issue with this. I am a person who is, I'm playing Overwatch. I've never, I I guess this is my first real experience with a battle pass. I know like I played like Apex, but I didn't play it enough to really see like what that battle pass situation was all about. This is my first time experiencing it with Overwatch and I 
I'm telling you, I'm enjoying it right now. I paid my my ten bucks and mm-hmm. um, playing through the season, and so yeah, um, I would have to see it. I I know that the uh, the stuff that I have been the content that I have been unlocking while playing the Battle Pass in Overwatch, I have actually really enjoyed. Um, and so yeah, I I feel like Blizzard knows what they're doing, and as we've seen with Overwatch, like they'll hear the um not the criticisms but you know the the i guess what people will want they'll be able to tap into their community they've shown a very good job of doing that and kind of like ignoring the haters focusing on the actual supporters and then giving them the content that they want um and so yeah i trust that they'll get it right if people are upset with it at launch um and if people love it, then there will be no issue, and we'll just keep things popping and moving. And so, yeah, I, I have no issues. This is a, I imagine, especially with any Diablo I've played, it's I've just enjoyed playing the game. It's never been really about. I've never really focused on how my character looks or like the aesthetics. Um, and so, this is all stuff that I feel like is just additional on top of everything that the game is going to have to offer. Like I've been always singularly focused on my my equipment as far as what abilities it gives me and the strength of those abilities and i could look like whatever um as long as those things gave me the output that i wanted the performance that i wanted in my character uh and so yeah aesthetically none of that's gonna affect my my experience of the game and so yeah i feel like this is all just additional stuff and as we always talk about having this leads to further support and um that's all you want in a game that we plan to play for a decade plus <laughs> and so yeah if this gives them even more support to be like hey we'll roll out new characters maybe more often as opposed to yeah we have our standard maybe two to three characters that we'll add post launch um if they decide to just keep this keep this thing going um and they support it through a battle pass system i think that's that's the way to do it uh so yeah i have no issues with this and as as we always say you can always opt out and it will mm-hmm. not affect your gameplay what do you think personally adub when it comes to if you will be partaking in in this well uh i didn't see anything insofar as the pre-order bonuses or the additions that is going to push me to get anything other than the standard edition of the game. Um, I still have plans of getting the game for both Xbox and PlayStation because your boy just got love for Diablo like that. Uh, Insofar as the battle pass, you you know, my approach, get to max level, then buy the battle pass, get that, get that massive content drop. (laughs) <laughs> after putting in all the hard work. Um, they said that the battle pass for Diablo is going to be cosmetics and all the stuff that's in the battle pass can be earned just by playing the game. So you don't need it. Uh, they have a season pass, which I imagine is going to be for future content somewhere down the line that you can get for a lower price than if you bought it separately or later on. So, you know, it, you're just giving people a way to lock in their content earlier on. And, you know, if you want to see what's in the season pass, you can always wait and buy the season pass <laughs> at another point in time. So it's no big deal there. Uh, Diablo, I'm very much into the way my character looks. I use transmogrification all the time. I try out different looks. You know, it's 
You may find that weapon that changes your whole build, but you might not like the way that weapon looks. So I change it to a katana or I change it to a big ass axe or a big ass scythe or something. You know, something something looks cool. Something has a visual effect. And it allows me to get more immersed in the experience. We know the Diablo 4 is going to bring a higher level of customization to the franchise than we've enjoyed in the past. Uh, before Diablo 3, you know, you had your classes and then you could choose the male or female variants. And then any other customization beyond that came through the way of your gear, transmogrifying it and also changing the color of it. With Diablo 4, you're going to be able to customize the look of your character. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of ways to do that skin color hair type and you know face paint probably scars and things like that then you're also going to have the gear which you can transmogrify which you could change the color of you could change the the materials and the texture i believe so it's going to be a higher degree of that you're going to see a lot of different kinds of nephilim running around in the world so yeah I, i'm pumped for it I know I don't need the battle pass, so that's cool. I'm going to be playing the hell out of the game from sunup to sundown for the next decade. So there won't be anything that I feel like I've missed because I'm more than likely going to earn it all. But there are other people <laughs> who who don't feel the same way as I do, don't feel the same way as you do. They, they take a different slant. They take a, a negative slant. A decline, if you would, and an egress. We got troll of the week. 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 We. First troll. I believe this game will get a delay to a later date. Already forecasted. Every time a big game is on the horizon, it's going to get delayed. And you know what? So what? If it gets delayed, it probably needed to be delayed. And it's going to be better when it eventually comes out. Starfield got delayed. Imagine, imagine what would happen if Starfield came out last month and it had issues or it just the visual polish just wasn't there and then they corrected it or improved it a few months down the line and it's like oh well the launch the game didn't launch that good so it, it'll never be redeemed in my eyes <laughs> so when you have those people out there then yeah it, it's no wonder that developers delay games because they know that your first impression is going to be your only impression so you know don't don't put that kind of negativity out there, but at the same token, if it needs it, then it's going to get it. But they announced it. They gave it a firm release date six months in advance. They've been working on it for a decade. They've been giving quarterly updates for at least the past two years. We've seen the game. People have played the game. There was a closed beta. They got an open beta coming. They're announcing additions. It's pretty safe to say that this one looks like it's going to be staying on schedule. There's always the possibility it could be delayed, but less than likely next troll says even if it doesn't get delayed it'll still be buggy and unbalanced i'm gonna wait at least a few months <laughs> so we waited a decade for this game one of the most hotly anticipated games that there is and one of the most storied franchises in the gaming industry and when it finally comes out you're gonna be like Nah, I'm good. <laughs> you're, 
and you're, you're going to wait for a few patches. But then what happens if it comes out and it's not buggy and unbalanced? What if it comes out and it's a masterpiece? You still going to wait? Yeah. <laughs> Decisions. <laughs> Next show says, season passes. That's a pass for me. Glad I saw this before I pre-ordered a game that forces you to pay to play. So I think you're confusing season pass with battle pass. And I think you're confusing a battle pass with nothing but cosmetics that can be earned through gameplay with things that are locked behind a paywall, which there aren't. So you're not being forced to pay to play. And, you know, if if a season pass, which is basically a guarantee of future content, is enough to make you pass on a game, then you may as well hang it up, man, because this is the way of the world now. Next show says, Blizzard is very full of itself. For what? Announcing their additions and announcing their plans for how they're going to support the game for years to come? I mean, Diablo 3 got a decade of continuous support and they're letting you know that they're going to be doing the same thing with Diablo 4. So how is that them being full of themselves? What, because they're they're showing you how much things cost because the game is $70 on all platforms? Like, what's the problem? If it's a great game, if you want it, you pay the ticket, you pay the fare, you don't jump the gate. Next troll says, I just want an addition that doesn't disappoint me. Well, I don't know what to tell you, man. It seems like no matter what edition that they give you, you're going to be disappointed. So hang it up. I don't know. Last show says, this game is the perfect example of patience pays off. Wait to buy it. <laughs> how would you know? <laughs> Were you in the closed beta? Like, do you know how the game is? Are there reviews? Do you have the game? How is it an example of patience pays off? You don't know what the experience is. So how are you already writing the game off and saying that it's something that you should wait to buy? That's This gets into this preemptive negativity, preemptive trolling. Oh, it's going to flop. Blizzard's going to ruin it. Man, Let's. we got six long months and a lot of info to digest as it's being released, especially if you want to go back to the quarterly updates where we have very extensive looks into how the game has come together. We have impressions from people who are in the closed beta breaking them in DAs. So we know what's going on. Why, why are you so down on it, man? What's going on? What's really going on? What's going on? Yeah, Stan, why are you so mad? <laughs> <laughs> I do want you as a fan. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like that's what that's where the gaming industry is all the time. It's like please try to understand. We do want you as a fan. <laughs> but we have to keep the lights on and pay people. So mm -hmm. ugh, record profits. Like, yeah, games are selling more than ever, but that's that's more to do with volume, not margin. So you know, I'm not going to get into a whole economics lesson in this TED Talk because this is troll of the week. And all you oh, go to hell with it. <laughs> <laughs> but AFC, <laughs> you got any words for these trolls? Nah, man. Yeah. Fuck these dudes. <laughs> troll of the week. Troll of the week. Troll of the week. 
Right. Gonna uh, be gonna be one of the greatest games ever uh, made. <laughs> yeah, I, it's this is one of those things like the uh as the once great man said, you can't tell me nothing about this game. <laughs> like I'm gonna fucking the game could get a, a, a four out of ten, and I'll be like, cool story, I'm buying it, and I'll let you know if it's a four out of ten. <laughs> four out of ten. Still the best game of this style <laughs> that you can get anywhere. Yeah. Go play your pillars of eternity and lie to yourself about how much better it is. <laughs> go play Chaos Bane and then talk to me. Torchlight. Mm-hmm. Go, go play Torchlight 3. <laughs> and the funny thing about Torchlight 3 is that it's made by ex-Diablo developers, and even they aren't coming close to what Diablo is. And granted, I'm not hating on any of these <laughs> games. I'm not saying that they're bad games. All I'm saying is that there's a reason that they're called Diablo clones. Yeah. <laughs> if you want the real thing, you know where to get it, and it's with Blizzard. So... As long as they continue to make the games that I love and enjoy, as long as they continue to make the most high quality products that you can find in the industry, as long as they continue to support their games like a like a good set of parents getting their kids off to college, I'm going to give them that money to pay for tuition because that's how this thing works. Troll of the week. <laughs> you got any more topics? Yeah, this would be my last, and then we could do uh, quick hits. Hold on, fucking lost my place. Um, all right, here we go. So people complain; they talk about greed, uh, battle passes, uh, greed. Uh. Um, they complain with the announcement of PSVR two that you know, oh, why can't why isn't there backwards compatibility? Why can't I just play the same games on my PSVR two? Uh, they're making me spend money. Well, we have a a positive update when it comes to uh PSVR2 A dub. Um, some people can save some money with a game that they enjoyed that they might want to play on PSVR2 A dub. That being that we got an announcement that Resident Evil Village VR mode launches February 2020. Oh, February 22nd for PSVR2 as free DLC. So let's see, uh, Resident Evil Village's virtual reality mode will arrive as free DLC on February 22nd, the same day as the PS VR 2 launches. Not enough launch titles, eh, dub. Let's see, uh, anyone that announces the, that owns the original version of Resident Evil Village on PlayStation 5 will therefore be able to download and play the update for free if they also own the PS VR 2. The VR mode was first announced in June and will support the entire campaign of Resident Evil Village. A deeper and more captivating adventure awaits with PlayStation VR 2 uh, as Ethan Withers journeys to take advantage to full advantage of the headset's advanced features. This by way of Capcom. VR mode utilizes the 4K HDR display, eye tracking, and 3D audio to make Resident Evil Village more realistic and intense than ever. So, a dub, what do you think about? Resident Evil Village VR being free as DLC if you own Resident Evil Village on the PS5, Ada. That's the way you do it, man. You reward the people who got you in a position to put out the stuff that's going to enrich the experience that they love. Like, you, you got to give back 
to the players. And, you know, I understand you got to make money. You got to keep the lights on. But at the same token, you, you don't want to be like, I don't know, 505 and do some <laughs> shit where you're selling the the upgrade to your game as a whole new edition and just screw everybody who supported it when it when you were going on record saying that the game wasn't successful. It's like, well, it was a success to me. I loved it. And you couldn't you couldn't help a brother out. I'd have paid 10 bucks for that upgrade. Easy. Like you could have just made that available. But no, they didn't do that. However, I'm done beating that dead horse because <laughs> I got that ultimate edition for 10 bucks, like I said I would. I got I it for free on PS Plus. Because yeah, you do the man, MC. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I got it. I beat it yet again. I'm playing through the DLC and just enjoying the world of control and that 60 frames per second goodness that it deserved. And I'm having a good time. But insofar as Resident Evil 7 and... Seven or eight? A village eight. Village eight. Yeah. And so far as Resident Evil 8, Capcom, you know, continuing to build their their sterling reputation of being one of the best publishers and developers out there these days. You know, it they were in a rough patch up until about the release of what remake two and then people started coming back around like oh capcom coming back monster hunter world and then monster hunter rise on the way resident to PlayStation. Evil 7 yeah on the way to playstation resident evil 7 getting that third person mode you know might get a dub in there i don't know maybe not because i'm kind of over resident evil <laughs> but yeah it, it's awesome they just keep improving their products adding new ways to enjoy their their games so that's never a bad thing and that's an awesome gift to the people who help make resident evil as successful as it is today hey, you got any quick hits a dub quick hits well the next gen update for the witcher 3 is out i have downloaded it and i'm ready to restart my adventure with Geralt of rivia Gonna gonna get my girl Yennefer back, get on that unicorn, do my thing, holler at my girl Trish, <laughs> and get back in the world, maybe. And this time, I do plan to see it through to the end. I mean, I put dozens of hours into The Witcher 3 when it came out for PlayStation 3 some years back, and I just fell off. You guys know how I feel about fantasy games and all the made-up locations and, and things and words that don't make sense. But, you know, The Witcher high quality product it still remains the game that proves that open world titles don't have to have ho 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 hum humdrum side content you can do beautifully acted well written high quality side content alongside the main story and now the rest of the industry has a bar to meet so you know CD Projekt Red, back when everybody loved them. <laughs> now everybody can love them all over again. I, I saw some. Uh, yeah, I saw, I saw some real good footage of a side by side comparison of the the basic version of Witcher Three versus the next gen update, and it's a tremendous improvement. I mean, things things in the game world that like had straight sides and were polygonal or now rounded and realistic looking. There's more foliage. It's better weather effects, better textures. Just the world that Geralt inhabits looks real now. And um, that makes me even more pumped 
to eventually fire that up. I've been thinking about it over these past few days because, you know, I still need to finish Callisto Protocol. I still dabble in cyberpunk. I played I played a really good side mission a couple of days ago that, yeah, I was like, <laughs> cyberpunk, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> and yeah, so I think I don't want to add another game to the mix. So maybe if I clear, if I clear Callisto, push cyberpunk a little further, then I'll start the Witcher 3, but it's there and it's waiting for me, which is awesome. You may want to, you may want to, you know, ask around about the best way to find it. If you're going to upgrade for me, because I own the physical edition, you got to put the disc in and then when the game come up, it takes you to the complete edition on the product page, but then you got to change the product to the base edition and then the upgrade pops up then you can download the upgrade. So, you know, it's a little little messy with how you have to get to the upgrade depending on what edition you own, but it is there. So I recommend that if you enjoy The Witcher 3, that you go and get that upgrade and enjoy it even more than you once did. AMC, are you going to be getting this upgrade and getting back in... Into that that world of girls? It'll always be there, but um, probably not just because... I mean, I got I got Cyberpunk to play, baby. I got I got I got so many games. I got Kakarot, PS5 upgrade coming in January. I got so much. I got I got games I haven't touched. I got games that have been bought for me that I know are on, on its way for Christmas that I probably won't be touching Jesus. for a while. More. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, just being realistic, I probably won't be getting to The Witcher anytime soon. But it's good to know that's there. It's there. It's good to know that's there. Uh, let's see. My Throw quick it on the hard drive. And- one of these days when you're you got ain't got shit to do. Okay, maybe maybe I can do this. Yes. Let's see my quick hit A dub. No surprise, surprise. Let's see. Um the remake of Dead Space has officially gone gold. Oh, it's coming. Meaning completion and development to physical discs. They also <laughs> this, this also signifies the sci-fi horror game should hit its January twenty seventh release date next month. It's gonna get delayed. Yeah. I think, as far as I know, the only game in recent memory that did that was Cyberpunk, and that probably could have been delayed again. <laughs> it went gold and got delayed, and for good reasons. <laughs> it should have been delayed again. <laughs> it just shouldn't have gone gold, is what it shouldn't have it. But um, yeah. Um, that's great. That game has gone gold, so we can look forward to that in January. So all the people who are uh, about Callisto, they can look forward to, you know, getting their rocks off when they play Dead Space Remake. It's funny to see the narrative around both of those games completely shift overnight <laughs> once those reviews came out. Because first it's like, oh, Glenn Schofield, Callisto Protocol, this is going to be the Dead Space that yeah. we should have got. <laughs> and then, then those reviews hit. People start talking that shit. It's like, oh, Dead Space remake. It's gonna be better than Callisto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We went from EA doesn't know what it's doing. It's just a cash grab. Callisto Protocol is gonna be the game. To oh, Callisto Protocol. Glenn Schofield's a hack. EA putting out <laughs> Dead Space. That's what we really want. Which also like that narrative that always comes out whenever there's a news update about you know some high-ranking member of a studio leaving as like a sign that that studio is now like 
a failing studio. <laughs> it yeah. just shows like maybe that person doesn't have as big of an impact necessarily on on the next game that they're going to make yeah. <laughs> for the world. And you know what? This is this is a good milestone for EA Motive because the, once this game is out, then they could focus their full attention on the open world Iron Man game. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's open world, but the Iron Man. Game. Iron Man. Yeah. And hopefully this hopefully this does what Sega tried to do. What Sega <laughs> thought they were doing. <laughs> on PS3. Just getting blasted in the sky all the time. Oh my god. <laughs> by airplane squadrons of airplanes in tanks (laughs) (laughs) all of them locked onto you (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh that's great it was wonderful all right you have any uh any other quick hits before you get out of here i'm completely out all right well this is control issues i am the amc we are control issues thanks for playing Sucker!